Chapter 24 Bosch, National Day, Edo and Bosch, September 2360 September is a bridge month in Edo. Some mornings can be crisp and feel as though fall has arrived, but those days are interspersed with warm, leftover summer days that at times border on hot. I find these challenging, especially when the boys insist on nursing at the same time. It is tough enough nursing twin toddlers who are fast approaching their second birthday and tolerating the acrobatics that come with that. But on hot days, the sticky, sweaty boys are almost more than I can bear. Takai, can you come and take the boys? Mama is calling, and I'd like to be able to talk with her without the two of them grabbing my... Kick, stop. That is Mama's come. Don't pull my hair. Mac, we use hands to touch gently, not to hit. Takai? My voice has taken on an urgent plea. Takai appears tucking his personal calm into his pocket, and I breathe a sigh of relief. I'm here. Come here, gentlemen. Let's go get a snack. He motions to both boys with a wide smile. The boys clap and squeal and scramble off me as I mouth a thank you to Takai while reaching for my calm. Hi, Mama, what's up? A few moments later, I walk into the kitchen where all three children are content and devouring sliced apples and cheese while Takai supervises and runs interference as needed. Five-year-old Gray is making her snack into neat faces on her plate before she eats, but each boy is simply trying to stuff the most pieces of food into their mouths in some twin competition. Takai looks up as I come in, and I give my cheekiest smile. Want to go to Bosch National Day on the 15th? His expression in response makes me laugh, but the kids clap and cheer. Go see Mama M and Papa T! See? I wink at Takai. It'll be fun. Uh-huh, comes the response. Why this year? We went two years ago and Teddy retired and that was bad enough. I thought the boys were going to be born in flight. What's so special about this year? Oh, Papa is getting some Lifetime Achievement Award and Mama wants us to be there. It would be a chance for me to talk with Miles about the no-fly rule for mothers. Cat, you know my work is here. Takai is quick to parry my nudge with a firm tone. It is not our first bout over the subject. I nod. Mm-hmm. Doesn't hurt to talk, I say vaguely. But I really want this. I'm still unable to fly as part of the Bosch Battalion since I have nurslings, and yes, I still think it's a bullshit rule. But especially since his retirement, Papa and I have mutually decided to let that issue drop between us. I'm sure it's a disappointment to him that I'm not there running missions and advancing onward. But I didn't make the fucking rule. I want to return after the boys wean later this year, or early next. I'd planned to go back when Gray was weaned, but life laughed at that plan. Takai's diplomatic assignments had taken an upswing right around weaning, and after a year, he was still deeply involved, traveling to several East Continent countries for a few weeks at a time. That was around the time he suggested a sibling for Gray, which actually was a delightful suggestion. I had such a crap relationship with my closest in age brothers and a pretty distant one with my sisters and little brothers. Yes, that is a lot of kids. Seven by the time I was taken from the North Country. And Takai had no siblings, so we both wanted a closer connection for Gray. Twins were not what we had drawn up in our plans, but hey, who really gets a say in who kids are? Somehow, in my maternal haze, Takai managed to get me to agree to marry him. I roll my gold band on my ring finger with the digits to the left and right. I wasn't sure about marriage when it first was suggested and for a good while after, but now, 
I find I like the sense of commitment, effort, and give and take maintaining a good one requires. I know Takai won't be thrilled with living in Bosch, but we have been in Edo for nearly six years, and he understands taking turns, I'm almost sure. And while I've learned so much and developed an excellent relationship with the village physicians and their patients, and appreciate all that the villagers, except my in-laws, have done to make me feel welcome, if I must treat one more ingrown toenail on some elderly person, I may scream. I need to return to the work that I love. I am a pirate after all. So how about we leave tomorrow? Then we have a few days with Papa and the family before the event, I propose. You don't have to bend over backward, Cat. They're your family. They love you. More to the point, Teddy loves you. I know. I just want... I trail off. Him to be proud of you? Takai asks knowingly. No, of course not. Yes, absolutely, I think. I just want him, them, to know I love them. Takai shakes his head. There's no way I can say no to this, is there? Nope, not unless you want to look like a real tool. He pauses and looks like he's considering the option. Let me rephrase, I say, giving him my best stink eye. No, you can't say no. He laughs and throws his hands up in surrender. We are midway into our flight to Bosch aboard the Doan vessel I'd purchased and reworked just after I had arrived in Edo. It is far clunkier than the small, fast Bosch vessels I enjoyed flying back home, but I retrofitted it to allow for the children to each have a seat and to have an area in the middle to play in and stretch out in on the flights to Bosch. I also modified the engine enough that I can really get some speed and maneuverability if needed. But to no one's surprise, it isn't needed toting children to their grandparents' house. We fly through the night, and all three children are asleep about an hour or so into the flight. This means Takai and I are finally able to finish a conversation. We make plans for a family holiday on one of the southernmost islands of Edo, and laugh about the last time we were at Takai's parents' home, and how appalled Yumiko and Shigeo had been by the three children's raucous activity. It is so clear you are an only child, I laugh. And you wonder where some of my straight-laced behavior comes from. No, I don't. That was clear the first day I met them. And you are straight-laced with everyone except all the ladies. I wink naughtily at him and shimmy my chest in my seat, and we both laugh quietly. Takai was quite the playboy before he met me. He yawns immensely and stretches. You should sleep for a bit. I can fly and listen to music. It's a treat being able to choose my own soundtrack instead of the pablum the kids like. And the boring crap you like, I add in my head. He nods sleepily, undoes his seatbelt, and tucks into the blankets that are piled in the center play space. I plug in my earphones, turn on my music, and get lost in the heavy beat and the loud, fast melodies from the 21st century, post-hardcore, that I favor. And the hours slip by. When I get near Bosch airspace, something unusual happens. A mid-sized vessel with an FA logo appears at cruise speed to the side of me. As I continue my flight pattern, it takes on speed and flies in front of the nose of my vessel. It doesn't look exactly like the airships that I've seen F.A. Air fly, but I have been otherwise occupied for a while. But wherever it is from, that was a very aggressive move. I put on my comm and try to raise the pilot. What the fuck is going on? I get no response on my comm, so I turn my little baby bus off to the left, and the vessel moves to block me, rolling and showing me her belly where I can make out what looks a little like the F.A. insignia, but not quite. She's also showing me she is armed with a traditional belly cannon, but also a couple of missiles. What the hell? She's not trying to fire on me, though. Hmm. 
Let's try that again. To the right this time, and there she is again. Who the fuck is this? I smile. I like playing games. I glance back and ascertain that the children are securely buckled. Takai is wrapped in blankets and has also buckled himself down because he is Mr. Safety. Okay, let's play. I accelerate quickly and turn the vessel sharply to the left and then to the right, then move into a slight left bank. I pull a wing over as the F.A. vessel tries to parallel me, and then I pull away from her as I slip nicely into Bosch airspace and hail the controller on the ground. Suddenly, a Bosch vessel appears and the F.A. airship wheels and takes altitude and disappears. My helm comm buzzes. Good morning, I say to the Bosch vessel. This is SkyDrive E4347 coming in from Edo. Who am I talking to? Good morning, ma'am. A voice crackles across the comm. Controllers have your flight plan, but what about the other vessel? Is she with you? Negatory, what the hell was that? I think I know that voice. Who is this, Diaz? Tony Diaz? He had been in the recruitment class behind me and was a pretty good pilot. Uh, yeah, and you are? Tony, it's Cat, Cat Wallace. Well, shit, Cat. No wonder you looped them like that. That F.A. vessel has been crowding incoming vessels for the last several weeks. We haven't got a bead on it yet, but we think she's connected to some ships that are cruising the waters outside Bosch. It's pretty weird shit. But Cat, where the hell have you been? It's been years. In Edo, having babies. I roll my eyes. I can't work because the old guys in shiny vests say I can't fly while I'm pregnant and nursing. Yeah? I hear a laugh. The old guys might want to be up here and see just what you can do. I mean, they may be wearing their vests a bit tight, if you know what I mean. I laugh at the Bosch idiom and look back. Kids are all strapped nicely in, and Takai has slid about a meter, but is still breathing steadily. No one so much as muttered during that little escapade. You got that right, Tony. Let's get a beer sometime. You're on. Gotta go to work. Enjoy your visit. He starts to click off, and then I hear his voice again. And Cat? Come back to work soon, will ya? That's my plan. See you around. I awake to find myself alone in bed with a cold cup of coffee on the bedside table in the tiny room, and the sound of many children running and laughing in the backyard. I scramble up, shake my head, yawn, and gather fresh clothes to put on after my shower. Papa had suggested to Kai, or Edo, as he calls him, and I get some sleep right after we arrived and tuck the kids into the bunk room. I was helping Mama with breakfast and coffee prep and was listening to her monologue about the newest grandbaby, Andy, that Mimi had born just a couple of weeks earlier. Sleep sounded good. Now I come downstairs to a bustling house filled with the people I love most. Elise and Paul are in the kitchen making sandwiches for the, what was it now with Andy's arrival? Ten children. Hey, cat, Paul calls. Think fast. A large orange comes hurtling toward my face, and I duck, reaching up to catch it neatly. I laugh and shove Paul aside with my shoulder, unseating his spot near his sweet wife. I lean in and kiss Elise on the cheek as Elise laughs and shakes her strawberry blonde head. She has seen our sibling antics for years. Paul comes over and gives me a kiss as well. Then he smacks me in the back of the head, calling, Let's go get Peter! Elise calls after us as she calmly continues the sandwich conveyor belt. You three are perpetually 12 years old when you get together. We dash out the back door toward the yard, laughing. Mama and Papa are on the porch in the brown woven reed chairs we kids had gotten for them from District 4. They are still sipping on coffee, watching the antics of their herd of grandchildren. 
Mimi is sitting in a similar chair near them, nursing new little Andy. There is a baby basket between her chair and Papa's. As the back door crashes open, spilling Paul and me onto the porch, they all turn their heads and grin. We pause for a moment and I blow Mimi a kiss, before my brother and I run in opposite directions. We keep each other in the entire yard, in our sight lines, and crouch quietly in the shadows of the trees that frame the two-story home and expansive yard. Looks like Peter's the last one standing, I hear Mimi observe. Bad luck for him. I watch as she laughs, unlatching Andy and putting him to her shoulder for a burp. We'll see who wins this time, Teddy comments. Cat's been gone a while. She may be rusty. He stands up with a grunt. Mimi and Miriam both issue a short and very similar laugh. Unlikely, Mimi says. I creep around a big pine at the edge of the property. Peter is pushing his older daughter, Leah, on the swing set in the far corner of the lot. I motion to Paul with two fingers to go around, and he motions his ascent back. Takai is standing with the twins and their two-year-old cousin. It looks like they are attempting to play cooperatively. That won't last more than a few minutes. He looks at me and rolls his eyes, giving me a, come on, really, gesture with his hands and face. I offer him my best cat smile, the one I use when I am joyous. He chuckles and returns to running interference among the three boys. I see him glance around and I follow his look. Gray is sitting on a rock watching me intently. I wink and waggle my fingers at her and then put a finger to my lips. She copies the gesture and then covers her mouth as she giggles. I give a quick hand signal and then Paul and I bear down on Peter from either side. He is apparently unaware of us until just a moment before we hit, calling out, No way! Just before we topple him, we all begin to scrabble and punch and kick and yell and laugh in a mass on the grass. Papa appears at the swing set and takes Peter's place, pushing Leah, who seems unconcerned with our antics. She has seen it a few times before. Papa yells a few encouragements and cautions to each of us in turn. Finally, I hear Peter call out, okay, okay, give, I give. And Paul's voice, stop, cat, you win. At those words, I pop up and thrust two fists in the air. My hair is undoubtedly a mess, and I brush dry grass from it. I feel a bit of blood trickling from my nose, and I rub the back of my hand across my face to staunch it. I love hearing those words, especially from you, gents. Papa is laughing, and he and I offer a hand up to the vanquished. Peter has a twinkle in his eyes as he looks askance at Papa before accepting his hand, saying, You know, this is all your fault. Papa laughs. I had Tommy teach all three of you to fight. It was you three who honed and then marketed Kat's skill in the ring to earn yourselves a few markers in the betting pool, as I recall. True enough, Peter says as he stands, brushing the grass and yard debris off. You were a cash cow for a while, Kat. He gives me a small affectionate shove. Until word got around how good you were, Paul adds as he clambers up with my assist. Then we couldn't get another opponent until the new recruit class came on. And then the odds weren't great because everyone was betting on you. I'm not one to hide my light under a bushel. And I invested my shares, so I'm still getting dividends. You two spent yours on wine and fancy women. I say with a grin as I jerk my head toward Elisa and Sharon. Their wives whom I love. My brothers both laugh and nod in agreement. I'm wiping my nose again and trying to make sense of my hair as Gray appears at my side and grasps my leg. Good win, Mama. My heart about bursts. I scoop her up and give her a kiss, 
leaving a smear of blood on her cheek. Let's do lunch, Mama's voice calls from the porch. The children can picnic out here and we can all eat at the table. I see Papa glance up at her call and he seems to sober slightly, but then takes Gray from me and walks back with her, chatting amiably in her ear as the pair heads to the porch, where the sandwiches, fruit, and lemonade are being distributed. The adult lunch is salad, cheese, white beans spread with herbs and crackers. It is homey and delicious. I indulge in a small glass of District 7 wine. The smaller children are either napping or watching a show on the larger Obi in the family room, while the bigger ones are playing games outside. Gray at five is in between, and I watch as she meanders back and forth between the groups trying to find her place. I hear Papa talking as I watch my girl. So I'm getting an award on Bosch Day. Lifetime achievement. I'm only half listening while I watch the children. So, uh, it'll be my last Bosch Day. I turn my head at this and focus on what Papa is saying. I see the bros and Mimi doing the same. I start to ask, what do you... Papa holds up a hand and continues. There's no point in talking around this. I've been having a spot of trouble with my memory and with my fingers since the spring. Now, you know I had Iranian flu back when I was young, right? We all nod silently. Papa nods in response. Saw Steve Dalton, and he ran all kinds of tests. I see Mama blinking fast as Papa picks up her hand and squeezes it. We got the diagnosis just a few weeks ago. It's VWM, Voight White Murdoch Dementia. Papa clears his throat. So, it looks as though things are going to be changing. The entire table is silent and unmoving, except for the eyes that dart around looking at the others at the table, looking at Mama and Papa and looking down. I stare at the polished wood of the big dining room table, focusing on a whirl in the wood grain. I think I may have been hit in the stomach by a heavy weight. I want to vomit. I've noticed Papa retelling stories and maybe being a bit forgetful, but VWM? That can't be right. It's an awful disease and there's no treatment. I look up at Papa and we stare at each other. He gives a small shrug. Mama is talking now about some early plans that Papa's doctor, Steve Dalton, had recommended to provide support, but I can barely make out what she is saying because my head is still buzzing with the acronym VWM. Well, the truth is everything is always changing. I'm here now. I know all of you, and I'm happy. Papa smiles his crooked smile and looks like the Papa we all know and love, so it feels like we all take a collective breath again. Mimi reaches under the table and grabs one of my hands. We stand up and go to hug Mama and Papa. Mama has tears in her eyes, but a resolute look on her face. You will weather this. We can take care of each other. I feel the tears slipping down my cheeks and Mama's hand comes up quickly and gently to wipe them away. You two might be able to beat your Papa at cards now. Papa snorts. How to play pirate's poker will be one of the last things I forget. Make another plan, ladies. We all give the best laugh we can muster under the circumstances. We'll come home, I hear myself saying, and as I say it, I know it is what I want. I don't care if I ever fly again as a battalion pirate. I just want to be with my family. I see Papa's brows knit. Well, no. You have a home in Edo. We are fine here. I look at this wonderful man and smile sadly. Are you? I reach out and slip my hand in his and meet his eyes. I want to come home, Papa. Well. His voice is gruff and he drops the gaze. We can talk about it. 
I don't expect Ida will want to make the move. I shake my head and give a small laugh. It's his turn. Papa is at the dining room table when I appear from tucking in the kids. We are staying at the family home tonight and then moving over to the little white house tomorrow. Takai has gone to bed early and angry after he and I went around and around several times when I told him that I planned to come home. He's still adamant that his work will not let him leave Ido. But I'm resolute and know my tenacity far outstrips his. Papa stands and gives me a small hug as I come to him. He had slipped away to either the library or his room after lunch, and I hadn't seen him until now. I figured he needed a rest after all the activity and emotion of the morning and lunchtime. He motions down the hall toward the front of the house. Here's my long-distance girl. Let's get a whiskey in the library. This is a tradition for us, and I'm delighted to keep it. I wonder if whiskey is a good idea for someone facing dementia, but then again, why not? Papa opens the library door and we enter, but then he does something odd. He peers down the hall, as if to check for any followers, even though there was no one else I had seen. Then he closes the door and locks it. Why are you locking the door, Papa? We never lock doors. Well, that's a fact. I don't even know where the front door key is anymore, and that's been true for years. He laughs. But I want this conversation to go uninterrupted, and there are lots of people here tonight. I shrug. Makes sense, I guess. I do like feeling as if we are having a special moment. I sit in the comfortable upholstered chair, near the fireplace, next to the one Papa favors. Papa pours two whiskeys, fumbling the stopper slightly as he pours with two hands. He holds up the glass with the pour of amber liquid. Your favorite glass, right? He smiles as he hands it to me, and then takes his own seat. I love how it catches the light and it just feels right in my hand. You are as good a judge of crystal and whiskey as you are of vessels and missions. He chuckles. Good to know somebody was willing to listen to me and learn what I had to teach. I feel warm inside from the compliment, and I raise my glass to him and he to me, and we each take a small drink and sit for a moment in comfortable, familiar silence. Then Papa takes a long sip of his drink and looks at me, turning his chair to squarely face me. You know, this is completely fucked. That is a pretty fucking fair assessment of the situation. I like talking about this as if it is a mission to be sussed out, not a tragedy of epic proportions. Papa snorts a laugh and says, Well, I tell you what, I'm not having Miriam or you or any of you kids wiping my ass and my drool. I sigh. I had done a quick search for VWM after lunch, as I imagine the other kids did, so I knew what the likely progression and prognosis were. I get that, Papa, but given the diagnosis, that literal shit show is likely inevitable. But, you know, we all adore you. And, you know, I will do anything for you, just as you would for me. Same for the rest of the family. So, I have to say, when it comes to the wiping, you probably don't have an option. There's an extended silence at this statement, and I pull my eyes away from watching the light break on the crystal cuts in my glass as my whiskey shimmers, and look at my papa. He's staring directly at me with that look I've seen him use so often when negotiating a glitter deal or talking with his generals. It is the look that says, this is what I say and there will be no arguing. I sit back and tilt my head in question. Girl, there are always options. 
and I am calling in my options, and the debts owed me. I breathe once, then again before answering. Debts? What debts, Papa? I give him a questioning look. Mine? Papa grimaces and starts to shake his head, but then stops, smiles, and nods. Aye, girl, yours. I need an assist, given these fingers. I love flying in my family and want to go in the sky on Bosch Day. Quick, simple, no drool. As these words hit my brain, I feel the planet simply stop spinning. I look at Papa, at Teddy, at my master commander, at this man I adore, and it seems that he is receding down a long hallway at breakneck speed. There's a buzzing in my ears, and I feel alternately hot and then cold. Is he asking me to do what I think he is? I had said I would do anything for him, but not this. I send a plea to the universe even though we have a mutual ignore agreement. Please, not this. I look into his eyes and I blink and shake my head ever so slightly. Do you really just lay that out there? The buzzing clears and Papa is in his chair within my reach and I feel the globes slowly start to turn again. I set my glass down and lean back, working my thumbnail between my front teeth as I consider his ridiculous request. I love him, but I'm suddenly goddamn pissed off. I drop my hand and feel my chin tense, and I roll my neck. I stand up quickly and stare for a moment at the marooned man. Then I turn, and my voice is strident. What the fuck is it with you, Teddy? You always decide on some goddamn course of action and assume I'll go along. Here's the deal, girl. Well, no, not this time. I am not going to fucking do it. What would I tell your grandchildren? Sure, Mama helped kill Grandpa. Well, let's not make that a family tradition. I'm breathing heavily. That's not even considering the consequences after... I put my hands in my hair and squeeze. Mama and the bio kids would never forgive me, and... 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 and it wouldn't matter, because I would be gone from Bosch forever. You know the law. Hell, you probably wrote the fucking law. Papa just waits quietly for me to finish my rant. Then he stands and comes to me and wraps me in a bear hug as I start to cry on his shoulder. There, there, girl. I hear him murmur. He releases me but stands near, holding my elbows. He leans his head down to see my face as I snuffle, and my breath catches again and again. Cat, this is happening. I want it to happen with you. Come on, it's always been true for us pirates. A merry life, but a short one. Some pirate from 600 years ago said that. It's still true today. Teddy gives me that crooked grin I know so well. Let's have this be our last mission, girl, and a merry one at that. He lifts my chin, looks into my eyes, and nods, as if that will bring on my agreement. I touch his grizzled brown face from his day's growth of beard. Then I begin to pace around the room, touching everything, the desk, the books on the shelves, the decanters in the bar, the mirror that hangs near the door. I even run my hands along the wall with its stripes painted in an intricate pattern. I move to the chairs and run my hands over them, noting their colors and the texture of the fabric. I turn and look at the maroon man and suddenly feel an affinity for him. I thought when I graduated recruitment I'd grown up. Then when I went away on the Kingfisher, I realized that was what being grown was. And when I discovered gray in my body, I was sure I would never feel more adult than at that moment. But now, I reach up and touch the man sitting alone on a sandbar 
that'll be me, because of one last mission. I blink back my tears. I turn to my papa. Oh, papa. I breathe, then nod slowly. Okay. Okay. For you. I sniff and swipe at my eyes. It'll take some preparation. Is anyone else in on this? No, there isn't anyone else who I trust can do this and survive. Just my girl. Bosch National Day is Thursday. That gives us three days. We plan more in that time. Papa gives me a grin. I laugh a mirthless laugh. Three days then. I'll do the planning. This cannot take place at the event, though. That's just too much. Papa laughs. Aye, you are right about that. It'll just be a good cover for us. I look at him. And I will ask you this question many times. Are you sure? Papa comes close and kisses my forehead. Aye, girl. I'm very sure. <laughs>